0: An obsession. Journey into the world of his Gorda and travel along with the boy from that way as he embarks on a quest to return to the very depths of the nightmare that brought him through the White Door. Join us once more as we step through the white door. Welcome back to another installment in the journey of the boy from that way. I and Mantic make thee away from the magic wood and down to the blazing rubble that was once foxhole. As they make a path through the heat and destruction, Mantic finds a slain headmaster doe with a few tricks they learn of the terrible elf's visit, and what maybe they can do to escape. As they venture away from the blaze, Izen and Mantic take the last advice of the dying old fox, and discover a magic item that just might help them chase down one more ray of hope. Join us now for Chapter 12, A Little Rough Around the Edges.
1: The blackness of the smoke could be seen far and above the rolling hills that carried Mantic and Eisen from the Abandu trees back to where the Foxhole Monastery rested near the beach. At first it seemed as though a giant thundercloud was looming overhead, blocking out the brightness of the sun with its thick, billowing blackness. The wind whipping past the boy carried with it the scent of fire and the burning things, making his nose tingle and his eyes water. The massive, stinking cloud had a tail that could be seen snaking its way down down to the ground. It looked much like a tornado. As the horse carried them closer, the two could also see flickering brightness through the smoke that had now partly touched down all around them. They coughed. (coughs) Mantic slowed the horse to a stop under a few spruce trees that crowned a hill about a half mile from the monastery. Mantic, what's going on? I asked. Though he already knew the answer. Mantic did not reply, but he knew the answer too. It was Tintelus Slendari. Down in the great green and dipping dell, Foxhole Monastery burned. From where they were standing, the whole place seemed to waver like a desert mirage, dancing and bending right before their eyes. The few remaining silver and blue banners that had once adorned the rooftops now snapped in the smoky wind, charred, burned, and bright with fire. Most of the roof had collapsed in now, further fueling the massive bonfire that had become the monastery. The far-left battlement had toppled over into the outer courtyard, taking with it several of the most beautiful evergreen trees. Here and there, windows shattered, raining down razor-sharp shards of brilliant colors that sparkled against the inferno backdrop. The air popped with the sound of burning wood and cracking bricks. Mantic. Look! The man's eyes followed the boy's pointing finger out to a large and sturdy oak that sat just outside the monastery gates. Swaying in the hot wind were three hazy figures hung from the branches. Through the flickering light of the fire and the patchy smoke, the figures could be seen to be three of the young women from Foxhole Monastery. They were now stripped completely bare of clothing, only covered in black ash and dried blood. Each girl had a rather detailed and looping rune carved into her chest, dried lines of red running down from each curve and accent. Azen found the world going silent suddenly as he stared at them. The anger and hate carved into them seemed so alien to the girl's porcelain skin. It made the runes almost glow. What does this mean? The boy said, watching the three girls intently, finding himself unable to look away. Well, those are elven runes. They vary a bit from the more commonly used elf tongues, older... Expel your name, it says Eisen. Eisen was hit with a wild wave of fear and disgust. Each girl had a letter of his name torn into their chest, hung purposefully in a line to call out to him. A multi-level sign that was surely striking the boy in a way it was intended to. He felt a lump of guilt in his throat and coughed it away as best he could. He inhaled more smoke and coughed again. He tried to clear it, his mind and his throat. He tried to remind himself that he did not guide the blade nor the hand. Of whoever did this and it was not his fault nonetheless the boy teetered on guilt and terror for quite some time before he finally managed to speak is it him mantic is that Slindari? is he here i don't know boy but i've got half an idea quiet yourself and follow me mantic put a hand on the hilt of his dagger and slid off the horse without a sound then helped the boy down a few minutes later found them approaching the black rod gates of the monastery which, as Aizen found out firsthand, were quite hot from the fire. As the two passed the three rune-chested girls, Aizen made sure to divert his eyes, and instead looked at his boots for many a minute. He had then, without thinking, reached out and casually grabbed a part of the black gate that was close to a pile of burning debris. Mantic shielded himself and Aizen from a gust of hot air and ash with his cloak, the wounded boy bowing to his knees in pain. His hand seared and the gate creaked. "'and yet they continued. "'Over here,' Mantic motioned once they had passed the hot gates. "'He and Eisen walked around the left side of the monastery "'into an open garden, "'usually reserved for religious blessings and rituals. "'Oddly enough, the place was more or less unscathed, "'most of its incredibly detailed sculptures and elaborate flowers "'still in place and still beautiful. "'Mantic stopped suddenly in front of what appeared to be a tree "'with silver bark and golden apples hanging gallantly from its branches.' The tree itself gave off such a glorious aura that it took a second for Aizen to notice that Headmaster Voldo was tied to its trunk, sliced across the belly. A red playing card adorned with black spiders was stuck to the Headmaster's forehead. Aizen was stunned and stood motionless in front of the silver tree. The Headmaster was tied so that his feet were two or three feet from the ground under which his innards lay in a heap of dark reds and purple. The ropes were pulled back so tight that the crusted blood and raw skin could be seen around anywhere the ropes touched. Eisen was sure he could see long white bone protruding from more than one place on Valdo, and guessed that several of the bones he couldn't see were probably snapped or broken as well. The boy felt his stomach turn more than it had, and he wished that it would stop, but he could not look away. He could not peel his eyes from the grisly sight. It was an image he never could quite shake. And at times, it danced just beyond the corner of his eyes through the years as he slept. Stand back, the loo player said, motioning with a wave of his hand for the boy to move. Manic whipped off his top hat and jammed his arm down in it to the elbow, began to dig around as if it were a satchel. A smile splashed his face, and Eisen could see that Manic had found whatever it was he was rummaging around for. What a weird top hat. So unnecessarily tall. Ah, one left. From the top hat, he pulled a decent-sized egg, black as a smoke rising off from all around. After inspecting its shell for a minute, Mantic walked up to Valdo and cracked the egg over the headmaster's head. Eisen watched as the thick insides of the egg seemed to come alive and wiggle down into Valdo's broken nose. In a great gasp, the headmaster lifted up his head and coughed. It's a good thing you are dead, my friend, Mantic said, wiping a bit of egg goo from his gloved hand on Valdo's robes. "'Why's that?' Valdo replied in a tiny, strained, almost distant voice. "'Because I don't think you'd be feeling too well right now.'" Mantic tapped the string of intestines that ran from Valdo's stomach with the tip of his dagger. "'Oh, boy, do I feel a little rough around the edges.'" "'Just just the edges?' Mantic said, hinting with his eyes a few times for Valdo to actually look down. Oh, right, goodness. Didn't even notice. I was wondering why I felt a little hungry. I guess the prick thought killing me was not enough. The prick? Tentella? Slindari? Your friend? Or so he was. I'm sure you're aware of this already. I was, Manic said, reaching up and pulling the red ace card from Valdo's forehead. Any of the girls survive? "'I haven't seen anyone alive other than the boy here,' "'right shame, too, Valdo. "'Indeed, Manic, it would seem that dark times lay ahead for us all.' "'Manic shuffled the ace back into his red deck and tucked the cards away. "'So you want to see the last of my memories, then, is it? "'Hate to just leave you running around like a chicken with his head cut off.' "'Or his guts hanging out, Eisen blurted out, "'that we meant to just think it, not say it. "'Funny enough,' Manic began, "'I had a chicken in my unit.' During the war with Lehendwa, by the name of Tack Malsterson? he used to fight with a dwarven hatchet in each hand, swirling around the battlefield like some bladed tornado. Anyway, he got his head lopped off partway through the war by a nasty cave troll. Don't you know his body just laid there? It just laid there. I mean, me and the boys—we half expected to. Eisen interrupted them. Guys, do we do we really want to be hanging around here talking about chickens and losing your heads? What are you trying to say? Valdo laughed as he jiggled the rope. The memory, if you would, Mantic added as he stepped back a bit, trying not to get hit or splashed with any of the goo that it was spilling from Valdo's stomach. Off in the distance, a section of roof caved in, and a wall could be heard crashing to the ground. Mantic drew his dagger and scanned the area quickly. Eisen remained motionless, peering into the smoke that surrounded the monastery for any signs of, well, Anything. The boy jumped from looking at the burning monastery to looking at Manic's dagger, expecting one or the other to give an indication of why the air had become so increasingly tense. Only when Manic sheathed the blade did Island realize the pounding in his chest was his body trying to remind him to breathe. Suddenly, a white beam of dancing light shot from Valdo's eyes to the space between eyes into the Manic. The beam began to sway and change shape into an opaque ball of gentle light, turning itself in the air like clay on a potter's wheel, the light swirled and bubbled like a tiny pearly ocean, slowly shaping into a face. It was the face of Sundari, glowing a white color. Eisen stepped back nervously, as if it really were the murder self. "Where's the boy?" the hologram said calmly. "What boy?" came the headmaster's voice. Do not play with me, old-timer. I can smell that tuxedo-wearing traitor in the air. I know Mantic was here with that boy. I sent them away, Valdo said loudly, looking like he was in some sort of trance, reliving the moment. I sent them away. I sent them away. Where, fool? Where have you sent them? The pearly face looked suddenly quite angry. The nervousness stayed with Aizen god only knows i told them to leave this place you of all told them to leave why i hardly could believe a house of healing would just turn away two people as in need as those two seems awfully rude if you ask me i'll not ask you then elf so you told them to leave yes well one of your priestess told me otherwise you sly fox she's a liar then In a house of God, the face of light was smiling now. Not all who live in a house of God call it home. The smile on the floating elf's face slowly faded, leaving behind a grimace one could only associate with murderous elves, or or perhaps the occasional wine giant with a hangover. Now you listen to me, you red-fur twit. I will put them all down, one by one, if you do not tell me what I want to know. Every living thing in this monastery will die tonight, old fox. You will see before your very eyes the destruction of everything you've done with your life. Every girl, every person, every brick you've lain, all of it will burn if you do not listen. Now tell me where they went. Odo's voice rang above the hissing flames and cracking bricks. The truth stuck to it like the footpads of a lizard. Eat Eat up the land of the dead. Eerie place between. With that, the hologram vanished. The silence between the three of them should have been filled with the sting of shame, but instead an intense anger permeated the space. Waldo was looking hard at Manic, who was staring back equally. Eisen could almost feel the weight of their glares upon the air. The boy opted to stay silent, wait for one of them to speak. Fate was twisting these men apart further and harder than any friendship could endure. It was many minutes before Valdo finally spoke. I'm sorry, Mantic. I. I couldn't put all their lives in danger. I. I. Mantic broke the stare with a wave of his hand. They're all dead anyway, Valdo. I could not lie, Mantic. You must understand I cannot betray my God like that. Aye. So you betray us instead, old friend, is that it? Manic, leave him alone, Aizen said, turning. It was the first time he had spoken since the catalyst egg. Manic looked hard at the boy's soot-covered face, and then back to Valdo before letting the anger melt. I'm sorry, friend, Manic said softly, tipping his top hat toward the old dead fox. Valdo cleared his throat, spit some blood, and began to speak. Eisen couldn't help but to stare at the blood flecks on the headmaster's fangs. Baldo suddenly seemed a lot more dead than he had initially to the boy. The whole sight of the headmaster's tide against the tree, guts exposed. It hit him again. It washed all over his senses. He stumbled off a bit and threw up in a bed of singing dandelions, which sang up quite a protest against this. They sang in the most angelic of voices. Merry would Merry O'Dum, Oh, this boy is sick and then some... Can't stand the sight of fox in a tree Maybe the boy needs his mommy Mario O'Dee, Mario O'Dum Oh, this boy is sick and then some Can he friends pass the test? The elf shall lay them all to rest Mario O'Dee, Mario O'Dum Open your heart like the belly of Waldo Go now, boy, and end this fuss Please stop puking on us. Mantic and Valdo clapped their hands and hummed once they caught the rhythm. Eisen hardly heard any of it as ears filled with the rushing sound of his own stomach contents coming back up. After a few dry heaves, Eisen collected himself as best he could and walked weakly back over to Mantic. Valdo was still humming the flowers' tune when Mantic turned back to him and asked the fox to continue with what he was going to say before the boy had puked on the flowers. There's an old spruce tree up on the hill with E.T.E. carved in its trunk. Dig there and you will find all the help that I can offer to you and the boy. Mantic, take a few of these golden apples for they will give you the will to carry on when all else seems lost. Plus, they're a good source of vitamins which is important to any balanced diet especially those who are going to go on a bit of adventuring and I do assume you two will be doing exactly that. I've done all I can, and so, I've lost everything, including my own life. Mantic, Aizen, despite what the elf knows, you must still travel to Irakiri. It is the wisdom of the Atbandu trees that have sent you that way and Go, you must. They know what is best to return this boy to his rightful place. Search for that line in the ground. Search for the line and follow it east. With that, Headmaster Valdo's head slowly dropped back down, the last bit of artificial life flickering out in his eyes. Aizen noticed the heat of the burning monastery for the first time since Manik had used the Cabalist egg. It had died down a bit, however the wind still fed the flames and much of the air still bit with heat and smoke. Flecks of ash dotted the air and it looked almost as though it were snowing. Aizen could still hear the popping sound cracking off in the distance. Mantic let the silence ride, a somber ode to the headmaster, whom, as far as Aizen was concerned, saved their lives after a tidal wave. After a few minute, minutes, Mantic slowly picked a few golden apples from the silver tree and gave one to Eisen. The boy turned the apple over a few times in his hand, feeling the glass-like smoothness. He could smell its sweetness, even over the black smoke of the fire. Aizen tucked away the apple, though its sweet smell stayed on his hands for quite a while. Mantic motioned for the boy to follow, and they both began making their way off the monastery grounds and back to where they had left their horses. On the way, Mantic stopped to cut down the three girls from the oak just outside the gates. Aizen tried his best not to look at them, but he somehow felt partially responsible for their death. still. In fact, he knew it. It was his name carved in their curves. It was him that Slendari had come here to claim. It was him that had caused this house and the Green Dell to be cast into flame. By the time Eisen and Manik reached the horse, the boy was well gripped with guilt and remorse. He missed the tailor very much suddenly, and he wished he was here to offer a good word, as the tailor was known to do so in moments of bad emotion. Eisen wondered how the tailor was faring, or if he was faring at all. What if he too was gone? Who knew how right those trees could really be? It's right here, Manik said, pointing to the smallest spruce once he and Eisen had come upon him. E-T-E, Eisen read. He stepped up to the tree and ran his fingers over the deep grooves of carved initials. The tree was crisp and cool like the air, but each groove of the letter seemed warm to the touch. Eisen wondered who or what E-T-E was, and he smelled the sweetest of those apples again. Well, we best get on with it, lad. If it ain't in and it's under it, Mannix said, and he removed a small shovel from the pack tied to the horse's saddle. Handing it to Aizen, the boy noticed that the edges of the shovel were like serrated and looked menacing. It almost looked like a proper fighting tool. Dirt golems, beware. The thought of a shovel-wielding warrior brought a well needed smile to the boy's face. E.T.E. And what could that stand for? Aizen said out loud, turning the shovel in his hands. Hmm. How about... Every Troll's Eggs? What about erase the evidence? I know. Exit the elephants. Eisen laughed and asked how somebody would exit an elephant. The answer was as funny as it was gross. Let's dig, Manic said. Through he and Eisen's chuckles, it felt nice to forget about the horrors of Foxhole, at least for the moment. Manic and the boy took turns digging around the young spruce tree for over an hour. Headmaster Valdo had given them basic directions as to where the tree was, but did not mention exactly where the two should dig. Eisen joked that the old fox should have drawn them a map before all this mess, and Manic wondered out loud if it was going to be treasure, and wished they had a map. The boy said where he was from, people marked a spot with X. Manic looked around. There, there was no X. E.T.E. It rang through his mind. They began to dig further and further and further. As they laughed and cursed, they finally came upon an old metal box clanking on their shovels. As they wiped away the dirt and pulled it, E.T.E. E. could clearly be seen on its lid. Well, what's in here, boy? Eisen opened it. It's a, It's a sword. And a scabbard with a belt. Manic, seemed impressed. Aizen shuffled the box contents around, the belt and she-sword clanking loudly against the metal. No, no, wait. There's a few yellow sheets of paper in here, too. Manic came around the side of Aizen, his curiosity bubbling. What does it say? Aizen removed from the box the simple-looking set, belt, sword, and scabbard, along with the parchment. Setting down the weapon, Eisen unfolded the papers, revealing them to be a few torn pages from a book or journal. The front page read simply, "Chapter Nine: The Family Blade," and had on it a coat of arms depicting several heroic deeds and slain beasts. Once Manik had inspected the box and his contrivance for traps and other malicious surprises and magics, he asked Eisen to read the story. The boy cleared his throat and began reading while Mantic watched Foxhole Monastery collapse into ruin.
0: Tune in next week as we learn about the ancient family blade, a powerful weapon with wondrous yet dangerous powers. Will Aizen find a way to use it or will the sword be the very thing that brings about his downfall? Join us next week for another chapter of The White Door.